Thank you for tuning in to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. You're about to hear a live sermon, which was recorded at our 11 a.m. contemporary service. We are thrilled to share it with you. Thank you for listening. It's good to see you this, this morning as we are living in the light of Easter and what God has done in Jesus Christ, what we celebrated last week. It was quite a week. We had over... 3,100 people here just on Sunday alone. And we had, I couldn't believe this, almost 500 visitors. And it is so exciting to be such a vibrant community coming together to celebrate uh, such an important moment in, hu- in human history that gathers us together. I look forward to continuing to, to worship and celebrate with you. But let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for all that you've done for us for the good news you've revealed to us in Jesus Christ. We ask that in the next few moments, you might speak to our hearts as only you can speak, that these words wouldn't remain lifeless, dead ink on a page, but that they might spring to life and that you might speak to us. Lord, now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This passage is commonly referred to as the Great Commission. But really, I I think maybe we should call it the Great Co-Mission. When we think about the the Great Commission, we think about these uh, spiritual heroes and sheroes of the faith. These great, um, these saints, the people that just uh, set the bar for uh, what Christianity and what our faith can mean. People like Mother Teresa, John and Charles Wesley. Billy Graham, Martin Luther King Jr., these people that are just so amazing. But that can be seem like a pretty high bar for us to live with our lives and t- to get over. Maybe you feel a little bit like the young man who chased me down on Peachtree Street a few years ago. I was living in Midtown at the time and I had a Saturday routine where I would run from my house three miles down Peachtree Street I would work out, lift weights, and then I'd come back down and run for three more miles back to my house. I did this every Saturday. And so one Saturday, I run to the gym, I lift weights, and then I run back. And as I'm kind of over by the the High Museum on Peachtree Street, there's a, a young man coming the other direction. And I don't know if any of you run, but there's a, a, a real ritual practice that you do when you run, and somebody's coming the other direction. So we both have our earbuds in, we're listening to music or whatever. And so he's coming this way, I'm going this way. And when somebody comes this way, this is what you do. Okay. Everybody can do it. And, and so he, he sees me and then he goes and it's perfect, right? And then we continue on our way. So I keep running for about five minutes down Peachtree Street and I, I get this paranoia feeling. Like, I, I, like I'm being chased. And all of a sudden, I feel this tap on my shoulder. And I turn around, and it's the young man that I had passed five minutes ago. And I'm as surprised as you are that he was able to catch me. <laughs> but there he is. And he says, he says, are you a pastor at that old church down the street? I said, yes. I said, why? He says, would you pray for me? I said, I'd be happy to pray for you. What can I pray for you for? He says, I'm struggling with my doubt. You see, uh, I'm a student, I'm a, 
a medical student at Morehouse Medical School. And I'm wrestling with my doubt whether God can use me. I look at him and I said, well, tell me more about that. He says, well, I, I'm not sure I should be a doctor. Maybe I should be a pastor. And I said, do not become a pastor. <laughs> I said, God can't use you from being a doctor. God can use you, man. God can use all of us. So let me pray for you. And so I prayed for him. I said, Kelvin, why don't you, you come back this week and let's get together and have a longer conversation. And so he did. We came, became good friends and now he's doing a medical residency down in Dallas, Texas. But it always re re reminded me of sometimes how we doubt that God can use us, that doubt uh, infects us and our, our, that we think we've got to be some spiritual superhero, some giant of the faith. Because the question really becomes, is there room for doubters in the Great Commission? Jesus gives this great vision for the Christian life. Are doubters included in it? Did you notice in verse 17? While they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Jesus gives the Great Commission, even when people are doubting. You see, here's the thing. The problem is, is many of us make the same assumption that we do with a lot of clubs, organizations, groups. See, in the marketing materials, who do we put out there to market our group, our organization? We put those who embody the best of what we value, the best of what we care about. This, if you want to be like this, join our group. One of my favorite evidences of this was the Voyager Golden Record. It's this gold record that they sent into space in 1977. They sent it out so they could represent to aliens and other beings out in the universe the best of humanity. So they included um, all sorts of uh, music, the sounds of whales, pictures of humans, Mozart, Bach, Beethoven, Chuck Berry. And it included a little note from President Jimmy, Jimmy Carter. He says this, this is a present from a small and distant world, a token of our sounds, our science, our images, our music, our thoughts, and our feelings. We are attempting to survive our time so we may live into yours. They sent this out. And don't worry, I don't think aliens are going to become knocking at your door anytime soon. In about, about 40,000 years, it will be finally within 1.6 light years of the star Gliese 44.5. Yeah, it's not, it, it, you know, it's out. And it's already like running out of energy and power. But there's the best of humanity out in the universe that we have sent to connect with aliens. And this is how we usually treat organizations. We want the best, those who embody excellence. And so we think, since that's how most groups and organizations work, we think that that's how it works in the church. Well, if you read the Bible, you will see that is not the case. Second generation of all humankind, Cain kills Abel. Jacob, one of the great patriarchs of the faith, if you read the historian, his life, a trickster and a huckster, a liar. King David, a murderer, liar, deceiver. And that, that's the Old Testament. The New Testament, Peter and the other disciples abandon Jesus at his moment when he needs him most. Paul, persecutes the early church. God helps those who help themselves? No. God helps when you can't help yourself. That's the story of scripture. 
Jesus carries on this tradition with the Great Commission. Notice what he says. Matthew tells us, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Doubt is a part of faith. This word here for doubt is distazo in the Greek. And it means to waver between decisions. It's when you come to the fork in the road and you don't know whether to go to the right or to the left. Doubt is not, um, not a failure of intellectual belief. A lot of us think that faith is just um, is certainty. If we could get all of the facts, all of the information, we would have certainty about our Christian faith. That's not how it works. Why? Because we are finite, fallible human beings. And it is impossible for us to get an infinite, eternal God in a finite head. And so we will always be exploring, always wrestling with our faith. But doubt is a part of faith. Doubt is a part of our lives. And so these doubters hear the great commission. They hear the great commission. Now, one of the great um, inhibitors to faith is fear. Fear is the great opponent of faith. I think I told you guys this story um, maybe a, a year ago, but one of my favorite stories of faith is this acrobat uh, tightrope walker, Blondine, lived in the 19th century. And he came to Niagara Falls and he was gonna walk across the falls. It was over 150 feet in the air, a couple thousand feet across the, the tightrope was. And he was famous all over the world. And there was this English prince who came to watch Blondine walk across the tightrope above the falls. And so they were introduced to each other before he was going to do this great feat. And Blondine asks the prince, he says, do you believe I can walk across the tightrope? The prince says, yes, I do. Blondine says, do you think I could do it with somebody on my back? And the prince says, yes, I do. And so Blondine says, okay, then get on. The prince is like, heck no. Right. So guess he did carry somebody on his back across the Niagara Falls. You know who it was? It was his manager, Blondine's manager. Somebody who knew him, who trusted him. See, faith is a word about trust. There's risk that's inherent with life. We can doubt, but the great commission, God's great call for us, still comes to the doubters. They worshiped him and some doubted. Doubters receive the great commission too. Hear Jesus' words, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Notice what the previous sentence was. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus reigns supreme in a post-resurrection world. See, many of us think, we think that we're dependent on ourselves, on our own um, goodness, our own ability to believe, but we'll always let ourselves down. We have to see that our faith is a derivative faith to God's faithfulness to us. See, last week we celebrated the most important event in human history. God showing his faithfulness to us, even when we doubt, even when we remain unfaithful. But that still happened. And so that good news shines its light and its life into our present world. Even when we doubt, as, G as Jesus says in John 20, as the Father sent me, so I send you. 
See, the, Jesus was sent into the world, and now we are sent out in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the logic of Christian mission, the Christian life. God sent Jesus for us, and now we are sent in his spirit out into the world to reflect his good news, grace, love, so on and so forth. But it's tough sometimes. Sometimes we think it's all about us. You know, a number of years ago, I coached a fifth and sixth grade boys basketball team. And I don't know if any of you like have gotten involved with youth sports lately, but it is insane. I mean, parents are crazy and the kids aren't much better. And, um, and so there's this team where I was coaching and the best player on this team was this kid named Tyler. Tyler is by far the best player. And his parents, especially his dad, thought he should play all the time and take all the shots. And I had to be like, hey, buddy, dad's wrong. I'm the coach, <laughs> right, right? Sometimes you're gonna have to sit on the bench and you need to learn to pass the ball. And so finally, his father was um, objecting to my coaching and kind of got in a little argument with me. I, say, I said, hey, man, listen here. I said, do you know who Michael Jordan is? He said, yeah, I, I know who Michael Jordan is. I said, did you know he was cut from his high school team for the first two years? He said, really? I said, yeah. Do you want me to get in the way of Tyler becoming the next Michael Jordan? He said, I'm sorry. I said, exactly. <laughs> right. But it's not all about us. It's not all about us in life and especially with our Christian faith. It's about what God has done and our faith in his faithfulness to us. We simply respond. God can minister. God can work in the midst of our doubts. It's so hard for us to believe this, to trust that the good news is this good, that it isn't reliant on us. A number of years ago, I was in uh, Houston, Texas at a conference. And have you all ever, do you ever get like irrationally irritated? You know, like, you're like, why am I getting all worked up about this? Well, like you probably were irritated right now. I was in the, in the audience and the speaker was going on and on. And he was calling us to be like a spiritual superheroes. He was like, you need to pray more. You need to fast longer. You need to do more to grow, become a spiritual samurai warrior. And, and I just, you know, I'm sitting there and like, I spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff. And all of a sudden I'm like getting weighed down. I'm like, oh, I'm never going to be good enough. I'm weighed down. I'm, I'm like, oh, I got to do more. I got to try harder. And, and then I get irrationally irritated. And I happened to be on the panel that responded to his talk, which is not a good idea to give an irrationally irritated person a microphone. And so, and so I'm sitting there and they give me a microphone. And I said, you know, okay. Yeah, I, I know we need to become better people. We need to pray more, blah, blah, blah. But I said, let me tell you about my friend, Kelvin. And I tell them the story of my friend, Kelvin, running, chasing me down on Peachtree Street. I said, this is a medical, uh, medical student at Morehouse. He's a doctor and he, does, he doubts that God can use him because of his doubt, because he's not a professional. I said, no, God wants to work through him. God wants to work through him in the midst of his doubt no matter what. And so at the end, there was a, a worship service and there was a prayer time. And I was hosting one of the prayer stations in the back. And up walks this young man in blue OR scrubs and he's got tears coming down his face. And he comes up to me and he says, I heard that story about Calvin. And I want you to know, I, 
I really struggle to believe God can use me. And I said, what? He says, yeah, I'm a medical student. And I'm, I, I'm really doubting whether God can use me. I'm like, what is wrong with all these doctors? I'm like, my goodness, man. You're on the front lines of the great physician, healing ministry. God wants to work through you. You don't need to be some professional. God wants to work. Be open to it. In the midst of your doubt, don't worry. And so we prayed for him. And hopefully he went on to live a transformed life. But I think in our culture, we sometimes think it's about us and the amount of our faith or our enthusiasm or, or our certainty. It's not. God wants to use us through the great commission that comes to doubters. And as this is Senior Sunday, I want our seniors to really hear that word. God wants to use you in powerful ways if, if you open yourself up. And I know you're going to be, if you go to college, you're going to be sitting in, in class and you're going to be like, oh, I'm doubting my Christian faith. That's okay. It's okay to doubt. God can work in the midst of doubt. He's been doing it for 2,000 years. Continue to try to be faithful, to respond to God's faithfulness to you. The, the light of the resurrection might reflect through your life into a world that desperately needs it. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you have worked in the world. We've seen the triumph over sin and death in your resurrection. We pray that we might trust you, that we might trust in that good news, that it's not dependent upon us, but it's dependent on us responding to your faithfulness to us. We thank you for your good news. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. If you'd like more info about Roswell Presbyterian Church, check out our website at roswellpres.org.